coach. Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your love coach and host, Nikki Lee, and we are going to talk to a sex geek today. Now, you know, I saw that, and I said, if you're going to be a geek, I'm thinking that's the type to be. We are going to talk to Reed. And Reed, I forgot to ask how to pronounce your last name, so I'm going to let you tell the listeners. Oh, you're so sweet. It's Mihalko, M-I-H-A-L-K-O. And and Reed is R-E-I-D. All right. For those of you listeners that are trying to figure that out. Exactly. Yeah, I'll get distracted trying to figure out how to spell something and miss the first five minutes of something. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one, of the, one of the things that I was looking over about you said that you are the Tom Hanks of sex education. That's that's cute. I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, L. Chase, a.k.a. Lady Cheeky, uh, was the first person to call me that, and it, that stuck for, for quite some time. <laughs> I can see her doing that. <laughs> I really can. <laughs> oh, gracious. You know, it's, it's a small community. We all seem to know mm-hmm. each other, which is very cool. Yes. Yep. But we just... Let me just tell the listeners a little bit about what you do, and I think they're going to see why I wanted you to be on the show because some of the topics I focus on and some you focus on fall in line great. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, America's favorite sex geek. He has two websites. One is readaboutsex.com and relationship10x.com, and he helps adults and college students create more self-esteem, self-confidence, and greater health in their relationships and sex lives using an inspiring mixture of humor, keen insight, and comprehensive sexual health information. He frequently speaks at colleges and universities on sexual assault prevention and healthy relationship skills and regularly appears in the media sharing his views on consent, dating, and shame-free sexuality. I I like all that. That's a lot of cool stuff we're going to talk about today. (laughs) So so I actually signed up for your newsletter some time ago, so I I saw the emails, and it kind of caught my attention when I saw the 10X program, and you also have Mm -hmm. the the website, relationship10x.com. So Mm -hmm. what what is an R10X life? What in the world is that? Yeah, um, so... I mean, there's a lot of things that I do, and thank you so much for, for having me on your show and even having a show. Um, I'm hugely passionate about getting, um, giving people tools so that they can talk more openly about intimacy, relationships, sexuality, uh, because I grew up in a, in, a, in a family where my mom and dad loved each other very, very much. They shared that special hug four times, and, you know, my three brothers and I watched two people who we'd always catch making out in the kitchen and cuddling on the couch eventually grow more and more distant from each other because they didn't have the tools and the skill sets to to communicate their wants, needs, and desires and also kind of work through their upsets and mend whatever, you know, breaks that naturally happen in relationships over time because people just aren't perfect and we're not supposed to be. Um, and we have a lot of c- cultural uh, misprogramming that swirls around us and, and a lot of us grew up in families. I mean, at, at this point in my career, I've had, I've had well over 200,000 conversations with men and women about relationships, just being a geek and a dork and somebody who can't shut up all the time and who's endlessly <laughs> curious. And, 
what one of the things that I've you know that that's occurred to me, and this is probably not news to to your listeners, is that most people grew up in families where you know there there wasn't a really good role modeling for communication and emotional you know IQ, and that there's just a lot of fear. And then when it comes to, to sex and intimacy, there's a lot of there's a lot of shame and guilt, and and it's you know culture is basically having its way with us and it's not always giving us the best information and then we inherit the communication styles and skill sets of you know the adults around us as we're growing up and my mom and dad didn't inherit great communication skill sets from my grandparents and so my brothers and I watched two people who loved each other very very much basically drive you know drive their marriage into the ground even though they stayed together till my mom passed away first and that set me off on this trajectory of trying to figure out how not to repeat what they did. Right. Um, even though it was, so, it was so obvious, and this even made it more painful, like how much they cared about each other. And so relationship 10X, and, and what I would call an our 10X life, um, is really my efforts to pull together all of the best communication tools that I've found to date um, and and ways to think about relationships so that you can be more empowered and that basically I don't you know people don't have to go through what I saw my mom and dad go through. Exactly. You know, it, it one of the two two of the things that I've noticed with a lot of the people that I talk to in in kind of the sex positive community, and I love I love that phrase because there's so much sexual negativity out there floating around. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Is is number one, most all of us understand that we're on a journey. We're learning. We're continually learning new things and honing our skills and that sort of thing. And the other thing is we all seem to focus in on a segment of sexuality and relationships that affected us very personally. You know, it's it's not like we just kind of threw a dart and picked a topic. It's something that we're all passionate about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I grew up in a home very much like the one you're talking about where you didn't talk about sex. I mean, heaven forbid. <laughs> you know, you didn't. Well, in, in my household, you, you didn't really show any kind of affection to anybody. And and the thing is, it's, it's kind of interesting when when you have multiple people growing up in the same household, because you know one of us grew up and is like, I'm not going to be this, and the other one grew up with, well, this is just how it has to be, kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. it's interesting how we all take our own trajectory from you know where we start. Yeah, and and, what, and 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 our parents or the adults, right? Because that's not always you know, not everybody grows up with a mother and father around. And but like the adult relationships that are around us as we're growing up are really, really formulative. And right. then we're also you know, culture is just washing over us all the time in all the mixed messaging around that. Um, and and relationships and the reasons why we stay in relationships have changed. Dramatically in in the last you know three generations, um, certainly four and five generations, where you know the metric for staying together used to be duration. You know you did everything you could to to keep the relationship together, which included not rocking the boat and right. and remaining quiet about things that were upsetting you and and even you know lying about things for the sake of protecting the relationships and and doing it for the children 
and what's interesting nowadays is that we, you know, most people, when, when I ask these questions, you know, when I'm lecturing and whatnot, um, even to, to student audiences, not just, you know, older adults, but, you know, when I ask people when I'm teaching, you know, how many, raise your hand if you know somebody, you know, who grew up in a divorced household who's pretty well adjusted. You know, and a lot of people, a lot of hands go up because, you know, in this day and age, most people know somebody who, who grew up in a divorced family who turned out okay. Right. And then I ask them, you know, raise your hand if you know somebody who grew up in a family where the, the parents stayed together and they're completely screwed up. And a ton of hands go up for that. And so, you know, what I think is the biggest thing that people aren't talking about yet, um, and it's one of the things that, that kind of gets associated with, with me and a lot of my thinking, is this idea that, that the metric of duration is not how we should be measuring the success of relationships anymore. And that the new metric is one of depth and transparency and honesty, which means if you're trying to be real with each other, sometimes in the reality of the situation, the conclusion you come to is we shouldn't be together. Right. And that ending a relationship that shouldn't be happening or has whose time has passed, ending it um, sooner than later is actually success nowadays. Well, and no we're not talking about relationships and intimacy that way. That's true. And it's so much more healthy for everybody involved, the adults and the children. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, whereas, I, I just, whereas before, duration kept people in relationships and kept people silent in ways that, were, that harmed people. Right. Um, and, and so now when you, start, when you swap out depth for, you know, swap out duration and now replace it with depth, what starts to happen is the, the other thing for me as a geek and as somebody who, who tries to understand why, like where is the friction and the weirdness coming from in relationships, the other mm -hmm. thing that's happening that's kind of the old paradigm is that, you know, relationships are kind of built on this currency of attraction right. and the idea that I need to do the right things, wear the right clothes, have the right job, say the right things have sex, you know, only after marriage or, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever other cultural programming so that I remain attractive to a potential mate. And then once I find that mate, I have to remain attractive for them and do the right things that culture tells me so that they won't leave me. And, and what ends up happening is that, you know, you, you have two people trying to be what culture taught them to be rather than right. being themselves. And, and it's my belief that attraction needs to be replaced with self-expression, and which takes a little bit more courage, but the payback is really, really worth it. It's be the person that makes you happiest and then see who likes you for that. There you go. And when you, and when you swap out attraction for self-expression and replace duration with depth, what you've created is an environment where you can have relationships that actually make you happy, where you don't have to hide, and then both people actually get to be themselves, which, when you do the math that way, actually increases your potential to be happy and stay together. Yes. Because you're actually living life and having relationships in a way that makes you happy. 
And then there's not really a way to do relationships wrong or a way of doing relationships that's, that's more evolved than the other because evolution is really you being the you that makes you happiest and then dating your species. And so Relationship 10X is, is a six-week course that basically gives people those tools to be able to have those conversations. And then I throw in some bonuses you know, for, for things like, you know, like the dating your species concept is a workshop that I teach. And so I throw that, that workshop you know, in along with it. And, and so that's you know, my online program that allows me to help hundreds and hundreds of people because at, at certain points, like, we just don't have time to work with everybody personally. Um, but now I get to really help people not have to repeat the, the pain and, and the frustration I saw my mom and dad go through. Right. Well, and, and I, I watched my mom just kind of, you know, be quiet and nod and, and let dad get away with whatever. And, you know, whether it was, it was being, I mean, it was very disrespectful in a lot of ways. I don't, I don't think he intended it that way. But the way he was raised was women are inferior, and and that's mm-hmm. a big chunk of what made me like I am, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I got sick of that. Mm-hmm. But she she just kind of put up with it and put up with it, and then she just explode. She'd get to a point where she just couldn't stand it anymore, and then he got mad at her because she was yelling and screaming at him. And it's like, okay, you caused this, <laughs> you know? It built mm-hmm. and built and boom, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, saw saw a lot of things that uh, that I did not want to do in relationships with people later on. And, and I used to have this, this debate with mom all the time. She's like, well, if you would just change and do blah, 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 then you could find a man. I'm like, okay, I don't want one that doesn't like me. <laughs> you, know? Mm. you know, so, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've lived what I talk about on this show. So, uh, unfortunately, but like I said, that, that makes me more passionate about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, now... <laughs> When, one of your questions is, when it comes to romance, you compare people to cats and dogs. Now, I immediately flashed the spaghetti scene in Lady and the Tramp when I read that. What? what <laughs> tell, tell me what you mean by that. Um, yeah, so, so again, like this, this is for me as somebody who's trying to figure out how not to repeat um, the pains I saw my mom and dad go through. Um, in geeking out, about relationships, one of the things that's really tough um, but hugely liberating once you get the hang of it is understanding that that concepts of of masculinity and femininity and and gender, um, usually for a lot of people when you start dealing with men are this, women are that, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, um, while there's really some useful tips and tricks inside of those concepts, we end up grabbing the baggage that is ours culturally and pulling it into the next relationship because, you know, men mistreated you this way or women burned you that way. Um, So one of the things I started trying to figure out, and then also for me as a geek who hangs out in communities where, you know, gender is being deconstructed, you know, there's trans identity and and gender queer folks and, and lots of different identities um, around sexual orientation, who you want to date, who you want to sleep with, and how you identify. Um, all of a sudden, it, w- it became obvious to me. I was like, oh, like if we can get, if we can just put on pause some of the the male female stuff, we can create some space for ourselves to empower ourselves. 
And so that led to the idea of talking about relationships, especially when it comes to romance, uh, around the ideas of being a cat or being a dog. And this doesn't mean being a cat owner or a dog owner, although some people might see some parallels, but more the idea of what occurs to somebody as romantic or warm and fuzzy making. And the way that I orient this is if you are a cat, if you're oriented to romance like a cat, what, what makes a cat feel warm and fuzzy is anything that proves you were thinking about them before they walked into the room. Okay. And so if I bought you flowers or if I made a dinner reservation, if you're a cat, that makes you all warm and fuzzy because you have proof that I was thinking about you when you weren't there, and that just makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Okay. And then for people who are oriented like dogs, and I'm sure there's rhinos and penguins and giraffes and stuff, but we'll just keep it simple for right now, cats and dogs. Um, for people who orient around romance like a dog, um, what makes us feel, and I'm a dog, by the way, um, okay. what makes us feel warm and fuzzy is you just telling us good dog. Okay. Us doing okay. a good job, us doing a good job is what makes us feel happy and what makes us feel seen and heard and, and romanced. Um, so if you know anything about actual dogs, actual canines, and if you've ever kind of snuck up, if you, if you own one, snuck up to your house or your apartment and tried to spy on them when they didn't know you were home, what you realize is that for the most part, when you aren't around, dogs are not thinking of you. <laughs> True. But when we hear that key in the door, oh, my God, oh, my God, the world has changed. Best thing ever, you're home. But when a cat walks into the room and then the dog gets excited, that's very unromantic to the cat because there's no forethought in that. And then when the cat is disappointed, what it means to the dog is that we did a bad job. Interesting. And if... And so we're no longer a good dog. And, and the reason I don't, I don't apply this to men think this, women think that, is I know just as many, you know, cats who are male identified in, in the world, um, and I'm, I know just as many dogs, you know, who are vulva owners um, and walk around identifying as, as, as women. And, and so the idea is it's really not about gender, it's about what works for you. When you start to figure that out, the empowerment piece is really useful because then all of a sudden, you know, for me as a dog, I can learn that one way to be a good dog is to prove to you every once in a while that I was thinking about you when you weren't standing in front of me. So me buying you flowers and showing up at home with a thank you card, just appreciating you and some flowers... I learn that that's going to land on you very differently than as we're walking by a florist, I run in and, and, and buy you flowers. Right. Makes sense. Now, now of course, if, you, if it's two cats in a relationship or two dogs in a relationship, there's really not a lot of problem because they're, the world occurs to them kind of the same. Right. Um, it's, when, it's when you're dating someone who's, who's the other or, you know, if we thought of cat-dogness as a continuum, like maybe you're, you're very dog-ish with your family, but you're very cat-oriented in your romantic relationships. Like, it's more of just a, a, a tool to look at what your needs are and to understand how to make your partner feel warm and fuzzy. 
which is just useful in relationships, especially long-term relationships. Definitely. Okay, I got it. I like that. I, I still like the, the spaghetti scene, but okay, I understand. <laughs> okay, so you also say, you, you say all these interesting things we have to delve into, but you also say that transparency is the new fidelity. Tell me, tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, so, so what I mean by transparency is the new fidelity, that goes back to the, um, the depth, not duration. So now as people deconstruct monogamy and, and sexual relationships and are figuring out that there are ways to have more choice and be self-expressed and be themselves, what cheating really is in my opinion, is turning into has more to do with lying and not being honest than about the activity. So now we're starting to have examples of, you know, healthy relationships that are open. And part of what makes them healthy for the most part is the honesty and the transparency, not whether they're monogamous or not. And when you start looking at, you know, relationships from the point of what makes people happy and what makes people healthy in intimate connections, and you pour in this idea that it's not about attraction, it's about self-expression, then, you know, you dating your species means, you know, if you want to have kids and be married and be in a monogamous relationship, well, then you should date people who also want to be in monogamous relationships, also want to be married, also want to have kids, You'll just be happier, um, right. and you won't have to lie about who you're being with each other. And when we look at from the perspective of healthy intimacy and, and relatedness, then you know it's more like relationships are like music. You know, the notes on on the page are the same; they're just arranged differently depending on the genre. So you know, if you love country music and you want to start a band or a relationship, date another country musician. You're just going to be happier because you both love playing country music, whereas, you know, a rock musician and a jazz musician are probably going to drive each other crazy over time. And we don't really give ourselves permission to choose what kind, like how the music of relationships comes through us. And so a lot of people fall into these old paradigms of you date a nice person, you fall in love, and then you never leave them because duration is how you measure success. And so transparency and honesty, um, that's really, in my opinion, the new fidelity. And regardless of what your relationship style is, the, the tools and the skill sets that are required to have a healthy relationship are the same whether you're non-monogamous, whether you just want to date and be single, whether you want to be married and monogamous. Like it's, it's, the tools are the same a hammer's a hammer, a saw's a saw, a drill's a drill, the kind of house that you want to build, you get to choose that. Right. That's, well, that's something that I've, I've talked to people about, too. It's, you know, as long as the, the partners are open and honest with each other and they both willingly want to, want to have whatever lifestyle, leave them alone. It's just not somebody else's business, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, now, hiding is a different thing, but, I mean, you know, if, if you're, you go in and, you say, this, this is what I want and need in a relationship, and the other person says, that's what I want and need, too, and that's compatible. More power to you, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. 
Interesting. I had a feeling that's where you were going with that, but I just I just wanted to make sure I wasn't misinterpreting what you were you were thinking there. So, mm-hmm. so, and and you kind of mentioned this earlier: emotional IQ and relationship IQ. So why why are those important too? And I love the phrase healthy relationships. It scares me when I say that to somebody and they, their eyes kind of glaze over, you know. So, but but I like that you use healthy relationships in, in a lot of your stuff. So. How how is emotional IQ and relationship IQ? How, why is that important to having a, relation, a healthy relationship? Sure. Well, this is is this a little tricky when I speak to college age adults um, because younger adults and some older adults just haven't had enough. Um, you know, they haven't had uh, explored relationships enough to right. really figure out what is a good fit for them. Right? Like they're still learning music per se, so they don't know if they're a jazz musician or or a a country musician, um, but what you can always be learning is, you know, you can always be upping your emotional IQ, which is the the idea of do you understand how emotions work for you, how you, um, you know, how if you're feeling jealous, how jealousy rocks your world, and how to navigate jealousy. Do you know how to navigate and handle your own disappointment? Do you know how to cultivate um, and and navigate, you know, generosity and compassion and empathy? Like so, so emotional IQ is like how well do you understand your emotions and how to navigate them, and also how well do you understand how emotions, for the most part, work for people in general and and for the people that you're dating or in relationships with. So just understanding, being smarter about understanding emotions will allow you to be able to navigate your world in a much more empowered way. You know, this isn't the best analogy, but it's like somebody who who has diabetes who really knows how to manage their blood sugar and knows what to do and, and knows how to realize when they're sugar crashing. Like that person is just more functional in the world at large and doesn't have to, to be so crippled or so fearful um, of of the world, so upping your emotional IQ just I believe just makes you a better person and allows you to have more choice and more empowerment for yourself in the world. Um, and then relationship IQ is you know what do you actually know about yourself about how relationships work best for you? You know, do you know what your bottom lines are? Like when I teach dating your species, like do you know? you know, when somebody's a bad fit for you. Like, no matter how sexy they are, how much their pheromones get you going, you're, you know, when you're with them, you realize, wow, we would be a horrible fit. If we continue to try to make this work, we're just going to make each other miserable because you're a country musician and I'm a heavy metal German, you know, speed metal player. Like, whatever that is, right? So... How much do you know? How smart are you about how relationships work best for you? And can you apply those that awareness so that you can assess situations and you know avoid catastrophes before they start? Um, and the you know I'm jokingly say I try to use a lot of humor when I teach, but like you know love is a horrible reason to stay together. And in the last several years, we've had some really amazing brain research happen where, you know, what's been proven 
uh, in several studies and replicated is that the centers of the brain that are active when you are in love are the exact same brain centers that are active when you are high on cocaine. <laughs> so when you fall in love, you are basically a crack addict, and your dealer is the person you are in love with. And so this is why some of your friends will meet somebody at a you know, weekend retreat or something like that, you know, fall in love with them, and then the next week they're renting the U-Haul and, right. and making poor life decisions because they get swept away. It, you know, I'm not saying it's, you know, that falling in love is bad. I just think you should, we should teach people like, oh, I'm completely stoned right now, and I shouldn't be making any major life decisions. Like basically stay put, enjoy the high, and don't basically you know, like don't drive drunk. Um, but we don't teach people like this because we romanticize love in these weird ways. And there's nothing wrong with romanticizing it, but, but you know, understand that the romance in the high is you being stoned. And that what's actually happening is brain chemistry. Um, if you truly are soulmates, you'll still be soulmates three months from now. There's no rush. Exactly. Enjoy the high. Enjoy the high. And then figure out as, as you start to come down if this is a good idea for you to, to continue and actually try to have a relationship. And in doing this, you can avoid a lot of frustration and fear and, and use your emotional IQ and your relationship IQ to just have better relationships. Well, love is one important element, but there's so many other elements to a healthy relationship. You know, that, that's not the be-all and end-all of why you have... It shouldn't be the be-all and end-all of why you have a relationship. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that, that high will mess with your head. It really will. Yeah. And, and so what's really interesting with, with Relationship 10X as a course is I had a lot of... Because that was the first big online course. I mean, I had been creating things for, for many years. Um, but that was my, my course where I kind of amassed, I, I, I wrangled all of my best stuff, poured it into a six-week course, you know, with little 10-minute videos, five days a week. Like, I designed it in a way that it also took into account that a lot of people are really busy or really challenged by relationships. And so, you know, can, could you create a course with little bite-sized chunks of information that would help increase somebody's emotional IQ, relationship IQ, you know, uh, help them feel more confident and savvy in relationships and more empowered and courageous so they could find their words, identify what their wants, needs, and desires were, and be able to have the tools to navigate all this stuff with another partner. You know, pouring all that into a course, um, I had a lot of people taking the course the first time around who all of a sudden were having, you know, all these huge breakthroughs in their relationship because they just had better skill sets and better approaches. And right. the, the irony of it was there were, these, there were uh, several couples who were in the course who hadn't really been having a lot of physical intimacy and sex in their relationship, but now because they felt more connected, you know, they, they were really, like, hitting home runs with their cat and dog myths um, and a bunch of other, you know, ways of feeling closer, that they started having sex, and because they had better ways to communicate, what they were finding was that the sex they were having was kind of lackluster. And so I had all these, these huge successes in, in relationship 10X, but then I had all these requests. I'm like, 
you know, can you teach us how to have better sex? Because we're, we're clear that we want to continue having sex, but like, we want to make it even better. Right. Um, and so that was the inspiration for Sex 10X. That was the answer to that. The problem that Relationship 10X created by solving another issue, um, it was really fun because I had all these requests to create a course that was just on building sexual self-confidence and skill sets and understandings. Um, and so you're basically raising your sexual IQ and understanding how your body works, how it re- gives and receives pleasure, understanding other bodies. Um, and so that was, uh, that was a huge joy of mine and, most re- and is my most recent course that, uh, that just went live to the public um, a few weeks ago. Right. Well, that's, that's a good need to, to get people, you know, interested in and wanting to have more information. And it makes sense that once your relationship is stronger, you want to improve your sex life also. So. Yeah. And, and this is what's interesting, too, is like even for people who are single, you know, or in between relationships, your, um, your ability to, to know what works for you in relationships, be able to communicate your wants, needs, and desires, say no powerfully, um, you, know, you know, ask for things courageously, that makes you a better person in general, I think, um, because, you know, you have better relationship communication skill sets that also work for your family, your coworkers. Like, you know, relationship skills are a part of the world because you have all kinds of different relationships. You know, exactly. the, the, I don't have any kids that I know of. Um, I have many nieces and nephews, and I always, I jokingly say, like, this stuff works really well on your family, um, but your mom and dad are always going to drive you crazy. And once your kids go through the teenage phase, I can't help you because I don't understand teenagers either, and I don't think anybody does, and that always gets a laugh in the room from the parents. Um, Very true. But the, when you feel more confident and competent about sex, which is one of the areas in life where there's so much shame and right. silence and we're not supposed to talk about it, um, when you feel like you understand sex and understand it in a way that you can't really learn from pornography because porn is an entertainment medium, an educational right. medium. You know, like, you know the, the joke I say when I lecture is you know, trying to learn how to be a better lover from watching porn is like trying to learn how to be a better driver from watching The Fast and the Furious. Pretty much. It's just a bad <laughs> idea. But we don't teach people to look at porn as, as entertainment. And so we start picking up bad habits and concepts about how to treat human bodies without realizing that all the negotiation and the adjustments and the things that, that porn performers ask for during a shoot, all that gets edited out for the most part. And that we, don't, we also don't realize that, that a lot of porn performers are basically like Cirque du Soleil Olympic athletes in the bedroom and that your partner's body or your body might not actually be able to pull off that particular technique or, you know, go from zero to 60 so fast because we're not trained in the way that they practice, you know, for their careers. But when you start to understand how bodies work and how your own body works and being able to use your words, when you can talk about and ask for things in one of the most fraught areas for most human beings on the planet, that kind of self-confidence and competence and courage trickles into the rest of your life. 
So even if you're single and you're not dating anybody, you don't have any lovers, or you're saving yourself for marriage, learning how to understand your body and how to communicate your wants, needs, and desires around sex, that skill set and competence trickles into all other areas in, in your life, in my opinion. Well, I, I completely agree with you. Actually, it was funny because I was just sitting here drawing arrows at, at something I wanted to make sure to say. And that was, you know, that, and it was basically a, a big chunk of what you just said, <laughs> that, that the confidence, while confidence is incredibly sexy and can be very good for, for attracting another person's attention, it's not just sex that it impacts. It's going to impact all parts of your life. And, and one of your things I was, uh, really liked was saying um, can affect your, your parenting. It's just imagine your kids growing up to have healthy, thriving, intimate relationships, all because of your fearlessness and groundbreaking. I'm, oh, my gracious. That is so awesome. You know, imagine having a, a positive example uh, for your kids so that they don't grow up with the shame so many of us had kind of, you know, beat over the head with as a kid and that kind of thing, and, and even later, um, and, and being able to, to be open and honest with the person that they're interested in or in love with and say, this this is what I need, and, you know, to, to one another, to have a... Mm-hmm. Open, I'm, I'm big on the whole have an open, honest relationship and open, honest communication with one another, and have a relationship to the point that you don't have to be afraid if if you have some crazy fantasy, you can tell your partner. And you don't have to worry about they're going to judge you or, what are you talking about? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But it does. It, and, and people so often just think of relationships being just romantic or intimate or whatever. But, I mean, you have relationships with, with family members, with friends, with coworkers, you know, all of these different people. And so the same traits and the same skills that you have in, in your personal relationship can be so beneficial in other relationships. So that was it was funny that you started saying that because I was just that was the next thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> that worked out beautiful. Yeah. So how, how do you help people that have grown up in a situation where they they have so much of the shame that that's been heaped upon them about sex over the years and uh are at a point that they want to do something about it. So, I mean, and that's one thing that I tell people, you, know, you have to be at the point where you're willing to, to accept and to um, change your mentality and your attitude about it. But when they're at that point and they're ready and they want help, what's some of the things that you, you do with them? Uh, well, I mean, you know, so the idea of people being racked with shame um, the, the first thing, I mean, so, so when I work with, when I coach people or when I'm teaching certain r- workshops on shame, mm-hmm. um, you know, shame's another thing that, that we don't really give people the tools to deal with. Um, you know, like, like when it comes to, like, depending on where you grew up in the country, you know, like when it comes to, like, snow, we teach people how to shovel snow, we teach people how to play with snow, um, we teach people how to drive on snow and ice and things like that. If you grew up, I grew up in New Hampshire, so you know, I, you know that was part of my growing up. Um, yeah, no. But we don't we don't teach people how to deal with shame. Right. So shame completely incapac- incapacitates us. When if if you want to geek out on shame, um, you know, there's some some interesting TED talks. Uh, you can go to, to to the TED Talk website and just 
you know, write in shame and write in guilt and do a search, and there's some interesting TED Talks there. Um, but, like, when you start geeking out on shame, realizing that no one ever gave you tools, and that's why it's so debilitating, um, you can start to rewire how you feel about shame and be able to actually feel the bad feelings that so many of us try to avoid and self-medicate to avoid. Um, when you can develop a practice where you can actually let yourself feel bad in a way where you're releasing those emotions, you know, it's my belief, and, and this I talk a lot about in Relationship 10X, like it's my belief that a lot of the emotions that we get over overwhelmed by are really just emotions that we never had permission to feel when we were kids. And so we've just built up all this old feelings, like stacks of it, and we just need to kind of burn through them, almost like if you had a wood-burning stove in your house and you could just throw the, the, the old newspapers in, in the furnace. And once you get comfortable with feeling that kind of heat, that kind of uncomfortability, if that's even a word, um, what you can do is you can practice feeling your old crappy stuff in a way that doesn't trigger your reptile brain and has you spin out. And as you feel through your, your emotions and kind of burn through them, then all of a sudden there's more room in your life emotionally and you kind of, you kind of, um, you can attain this kind of two-year-old version of the kid who has the temper tantrum on the playground because somebody, you know, took their bucket or their, you know, sand shovel or whatever, right. they have this, this tantrum and they burn through that emotion because they're not blocking it. And then, you know, two minutes later, four minutes later, they're playing with the same kid as if nothing happened. And that is a healthier way of approaching the world than, than packing away whatever upset you have and never, ever feeling it ever which is how a lot of people are raised because, you know, there's usually some sort of emotion that's not appropriate to, to, to express at home, you know. So for me, it was anger, like, and, and we walked on eggshells trying to not upset my mom and dad because they were having difficulty in their marriage. And so, you know, when I turned into an adult, I just had, you know, a ton of unexpressed anger that I was carrying around in life. And then whenever I would get angry, all that anger would resonate and want out. And it felt so overwhelming, like I was going to go postal, that I just shut it all down. And when you have a practice to be able to work through old emotions, especially shame, then there's a kind of courage and an emotional IQ that you have to the world that allows you to not be stopped by things that would normally stop most people because they don't want to feel uncomfortable. And then you can actually start having grown-up relationships because when something uncomfortable comes up, you know how to talk about it and you can be with it and get to the other side of it, which is something my mom and dad were never able to do. Right. Okay. I like that. All right. Sexual self-confidence. Many people that I've talked to personally and otherwise do not have sexual self-confidence. So how, how can people uh, increase their sexual self-confidence? And I, I really... Well, I mean, 
closing doors on that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, and again, like like I'm I'm kind of the uh, you know again like the Tom Hanks of sex ed. I'm also people have called me the golden retriever on espresso of sex education. Like not everybody wants relationship mm-hmm. or sex advice from a big goofy six foot tall blonde guy who's you know 250 pounds. Um, so the big answer is get curious about sex and start geeking out on it. Like go, go get a book on oral sex. Um, there's, there's, you know, if you're curious about giving better blowjobs or, or better cunnilingus, um, there's some great resources out there. People can always email me um, for advice or uh, resources. I can point them in, in different directions. Um, because it's also important to get surround yourself with great information that isn't shame and blame. And there's still a lot of negative marketing out there. It's, it's called pain marketing in, in the marketing world, which is like, you know, if you don't get good at blowjobs, you know, he will leave you. Right. Or, you know, for the men, like if you can't get good at sex, you know, she will, she will never tell you, but that's why she will cheat on you. Like, and there's all this like fear mongering out there, which is, which is perpetuating the sex negativity and the shame and the guilt in relationships. So, so the first thing I'm going to say is go get curious and then surround yourself with great information that is sex positive, that's encouraging, that's inspirational marketing, not pain marketing. Like people who really are excited to share and want you to win. Um, and, you know, and that's something that, that, you know, for the longest time as I got better at, at learning business, like how to market myself, the pain marketing really turned me off because it felt like it was going against what I was actually trying to do, right. which was teach people how to be courageous and how to be confident. And part of that is to teach them that, like, like even me, like I'm an expert and I still don't know everything. Like I still have insecurities and feel awkward in the bedroom and don't always speak up immediately about whatever. You know, and so if it's me who, you know, who's taught, you know, over 50,000 people at this point, you know, at workshops I've designed and lectures and things like that, like if, if even Reed Mahelko, America's favorite sex geek, can't always speak up every moment 100%, like then you're normal, like you're okay. And it's like, how do we teach ourselves to be human and graceful with ourselves and with our lovers? And when you can, when you can create that kind of space for yourself and for your loved ones, and you throw in the fact that, that you learn some really cool ways to create pleasure on penises and on vulvas and, hey, my nipples work this way and like it best when you do this. Like when you have those skill sets and self-knowledge and you can share it with people, not only are you asking for what you want and what you like, which means your partners don't have to read your mind, right? but you're also role modeling that, they, that it's okay for them to tell you what they like. And then you don't have to read their minds. And that's the thing that people, like most people never even get to that space. It's like, it's like if you're both musicians now, you're, you, you know your instrument, which as a sex educator is hilarious, right? The double entendre, right? You know your instrument and you can play it so well that now the two of you 
can riff off of each other and really jam and just create and have fun and play. And now at that point, you're bringing play into the bedroom right. in a way that, that I'm pretty sure my mom and dad never, never got to experience. And I think that, as a geek, that's really exciting. Well, and, and being able to laugh with one another, not at one another, but just, mm-hmm. well, and that's, I've done dozens and dozens of, of product reviews for different things. And, I mean, I always, I always add, like, this expert section at the bottom. These are my, my personal tips I give you. And I always, mm-hmm. always include in there, have fun and experiment. You know, just play. Actually, I did an entire show about, about sex toys and about playing in your relationship with one another. You know, have fun with it. Bye gracious people I'm not saying it's always the easiest thing in the world to do and, and you know especially when you're first getting used to a new person but you know have fun my gracious it, it, it can be incredible and, and pleasurable and, and just have fun yeah. um, and, and you know I, yeah it, it's something that I, I think past generations didn't experience as much as, as you know, we and, well, and they they had so much. I mean, the cultural stuff we deal with now about sex is ridiculous. But it was so much worse twenty, forty, sixty years ago. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I you know, didn't talk to my mother about that, but I have talked to my grandmother about that. <laughs> so, Aww. Uh, that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when when your grand, grandmother's 95 and she has a new boyfriend, it's amazing the conversations you have. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but, but again, like, not that, and again, like, this is normal. Like, not everybody wants to hear about their mom and dad's sex life. But mm-hmm. imagine if in ways that were appropriate, it was passed on to you that you didn't have to be ashamed. Exactly. And well, that and you, you don't have to be get, curious. You, you don't have to be graphic to do that. You know, yeah. whether it's, it's seeing that, that your parents interact with one another and have a healthy relationship or, or whatever, you know, but convey to, to your children that it's okay. It's okay to be curious. I mean, within boundaries depending on the age and whatnot mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. You know, encourage them to to know about themselves and to understand that being a sexual being oh i gotta tell you i was i was playing cards one day at my aunt and one of her friends was over and i don't even remember how we got to it but i made a comment and i said well we're all sexual beings if i had shot somebody in the head she couldn't have looked at me any harder <laughs> she looked at me like i had lost my mind I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you may choose not to use that part of yourself, but, but it's there, you know? Yeah. But, uh, wow, that look she gave me. I, she, it looks to kill, boy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, now you, you've got something else I have to ask you about. Tell me yeah. what a safer sex elevator speech is. Okay. So one of one of the things that was really hard for me in the beginning when I was – you know, and I'm still am very sexually active, but like when I would meet new people was like, how do you have the talk, the safer yes. sex talk? Um, and then as a geek, what I realized was, oh, part of the problem and the difficulty for folks is that no one ever taught them how to have the talk. And if you don't know how to handle your own anxiety and nervousness, especially if you like somebody, um, you really like them, then what most people do is they wait for the other person to start the conversation. Sure. And then because the other person is also, you know, anxious and, and worried, 
they're waiting for the, for you to start the conversation and so nobody starts the conversation and then you start having whatever kind of sex or sensuality that you're having and a lot of us are worried that you know we didn't have the talk yet and then we're beating ourselves up that we didn't have the talk and you know then we're worried like what if they don't start having the talk and then you all of a sudden you're caught in your head while you're trying to enjoy each other's bodies. Right. And the easiest solution was for me to come up with a a script or a formula for I need to talk about this first, then this, then this, then this, and then that. And so the Safer Sex Elevator speech is basically my my pithy way to get people to remember those steps so that you can kind of have your your safer sex conversation in two to three minutes, kind of like a business, you know, the elevator pitch for a business idea. Right. And when you teach people how to have it in a way where they don't have to reinvent it every time, and then once you start to get good at it, you can have one of the most difficult conversations for people considering being sensual with each other and get it out of the way so that there's all this room and openness now for you to actually play and connect and you're already role modeling and establishing right at the beginning that it's okay to talk about this stuff. Right. Interesting. Okay. okay. I was thinking next time I get in an elevator, I'm going to think about that. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what? what is something that I haven't asked that you want to share with my listeners? Um. Well, I mean, just I mean, we've talked about so many different things, um, which I hope has been useful for the people listening. Um, I'll create on my website a page with links to all the stuff that we've mentioned, okay. so that people don't have to remember five different links. Um, and so, because your show is ready for love, um, then people can just go find all these things um, at readaboutsex.com. It's R-E-I-D aboutsex.com forward slash ready for love one word awesome. and I'll just I'll just build that page and so by the time by the time you're listening to this listeners um, just go to, go there and uh, and then you can you know there'll be a link to sign up for some free videos about sex 10x um, so you'll get some free training if that's what you want and then if you're curious about the, uh, the actual program there'll be an invitation to to consider the program, but I like training people for free first, especially right. people who haven't met me because it helps you get a fit for like, am I the person to go deeper with? Um, you know, like I, and again, like I really encourage people, like if, if there's something about me or about something I'm saying that's not resonating for you, you're not broken. It's probably just not a useful tool for you or I'm not the person that should be teaching you or being your, you know, your Sherpa in intimacy, like go find people that really work for you, that speak to you, who have amazing content that's not negative, and then go have have fun learning, and go make the world a better, more more pleasure positive place. Exactly. Well, and I'll I'll also make sure um, on the promo page on my website, which is www.lovecoachjourney.com. I'm probably gonna make it love lovecoachjourney.com slash sexgeek. How about that? That's what I'll make the page. Perfect. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have more information about uh, uh, your expanded bio, because I kind of cut it down, and also mm-hmm. a link to the information form, too. Sounds great. Yay, well, team. It was <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> it was great to have you on today, and we should definitely do it again sometime. And yeah. I just have a feeling there's more I can tap into. And listeners, uh, I will see you next time on Ready for Love Radio.